the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends. Are you buckled up or buckled in? If you're driving your car, I hope you're buckled in. And if you're just listening from home, just buckled up because we're going to be dealing with some truths that will uh, open your eyes. And and so I have some very special people in the studio with me, co-hosting with me for this broadcast. Alex Bush, you may have heard of him because he's one of my two uh, co-producers on the show, and they've been doing this for uh, several years. Isn't that right, Alex? That's right. <laughs> and the person whom you uh, no doubt have listened to, if you listen to the uh broadcast fair on not only KPRZ, but The Answer San Diego. This man's name, Bob Siegel. Hey, Bob. Kaz, always a pleasure to be here with you. And uh, let me, I'm going to just, you guys are going to be amazed when you discover the name of his show. It's called The Bob Siegel Show. We put the best <laughs> minds together. They spent weeks, months coming up with that. And it cost you a fortune, no oh doubt. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and these are... Apologists in their own right, as far as studying scripture, and we thought we would deal with a topic that there's a lot of discussion about uh, throughout uh, the church age is you know uh, Calvinism versus Armenianism, and it really deals with a lot of different things, how you see God uh, and his Trinity and his church. Uh, you know, there's there's a phrase that people say, once saved, always saved, or you can lose your salvation. There you go, Calvinism and uh, Armenianism and all, all, so many other things. We're going to explore those things. And I know, Bob, actually, you did a, a topic, this topic a while back on yeah, your show. Yeah, there's a recent podcast, and even on my broadcast show on uh, KCBQ, I had a friend come in, and he's not a Calvinist either, but he kind of played the devil's advocate, yes. and we sparred a little. So there's two recent shows. That and they I've would find them? What's that? Oh, the my pod. Well, my podcast, which uh, yeah, there's uh, new ones made just for the podcast, and also whatever I did on yeah. Sunday night is put on there. That is at CGM Radio. If you went to cgmradio.com/slash/bob, you could subscribe. A subscription is free. Not trying to sell you anything, and it is a Monday through Friday show. Oh yeah, it's remarkable. And this guy has knowledge, but he also be you know knowledge is okay, but knowledge in and of itself, the scripture says. Knowledge puffs up, and he's not puffed up, but he is uh, built up, and and so he he takes the knowledge and he applies wisdom to it. But beyond that, the Bible says, uh, "In all your wisdom, get understanding." So there's a level of 
knowledge, wisdom, and understanding in this man, and, and I appreciate him. Now that I put him on the spot, I'm going to ask him really hard questions, and if he doesn't come up with the right answers, <laughs> the electrodes will go off. Do I get a lifeline if I don't <laughs> Exactly. Phone a friend. And, and Alex Bush, you know, he, he's as one of my producers, they have, you know, even all my listeners have an opportunity to say, let's do a show about this, but understand, if you come up with the idea, it's very likely that you're going to be joining me, and you're going to be helping to... Uh, to excavate it, so to speak. And so there you go. Isn't that right, Alex? Uh, yes, that's absolutely correct. So we're going to spend two hours. So Bob Siegel Two magical I, hours. So Bob Siegel and I are leaving. When you finish the show, Bye. we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> My listening friend, it's important these days more than ever before to actually know the Scripture. You know, the Scripture talks about the wise and the foolish virgins, and uh, one saved up the oil, prepared the oil, so that when the time came for them to apply the oil, their lamps were full, and when they went out, they could pour more oil in. And I think God would have us be wise virgins or wise believers, and that is the oil that we've been given to properly disperse it. But if if you don't properly disperse it, uh, what what good is it? And so what God wants us to do is to take this oil of God's wisdom and pour it out at the appropriate times. And if you're pouring out things that aren't really valid oil, uh, we want to be very delicate in how we deal with this because uh, we're doing God's work. Isn't that right, Bob? Absolutely. And isn't that right, Alex? Oh, yes. So I want you to appreciate this may be the last I talk in this entire two hours because I'm going to let these guys go and you can't stop me from doing color Well, it was comment- good to hear from you, Kaz. <laughs> <laughs> I might jump in and do a little color commentary, but uh, we've got about five more minutes left in this segment. So I'm going to start by handing some things to a- Alex here and say, okay, what was your idea about when we were putting this together, uh, when you were putting this together, and um, it kind of the interactions you've had with a lot of different people aligning in different areas, why did you think it was necessary to bring, the, to bring this to the fore? Well, Kaz, you and I are just, we, we go back and forth with stuff all the time, just kicking things around the office. And conversations I've been having with different people between conversations and books I've been reading, there's the debate about predestination versus free will. Yes. And then I guess the two camps of Calvinism versus Armenianism. And for the longest time, I didn't know Armenianism from people from the country, Arme- Armenia, or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but I guess it, Comes from the I forget the guy's first name Jacob Ar- Jacob Arminius. Arminius yeah it, but that's a very common misconception mm-hmm. the, the Armenian people and the Armenian yes. theology absolutely two totally so. different it's like Austria and Australia <laughs> <laughs> or you could say between was it immorality and immortality the difference between the two okay. is is the, yeah. the is the cross that's oh that's very See, good you're going to get these nuggets from him too Bob. yeah I'm, I'm just waiting for you. the woke culture to ban the T because it looks like a cross so that we won't <laughs> be able to type the letter T anymore I'm just waiting for that one okay Bob now your turn uh, as far as the I know you're a Bible student you're a big time Bible student you're also a thespian, thespian. I said thespian. Yes, thespian. You, you create plays and things like that. <laughs> yes, instead of the other word, we could confuse that <laughs> with. Yeah, yes. exactly. So you, I mean, you're very intimate with the with the scripture. So you, you've been looking at this Arminianism and Calvinism. Give us an overview so we can set the stage for the rest. Well, of the two hours. generally speaking, John Calvin is known as the guy that made predestination popular. Now, obviously, he wasn't the first uh, great theologian. Augustine developed that many centuries before. But it's kind of gotten associated with Calvin. So even if you don't know much about the man, John Calvin, who was one of the reformers in the Reformation in the 1500s, Calvinism's become kind of a nickname for the 
the doctrine of predestination, which says that we cannot decide for ourselves whether or not to become Christians. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do some work on our heart, then we would just never make a decision to accept Christ. The problem with that is the Bible is very clear that there's going to be a day called Judgment Day, and God's going to judge us and send us to heaven or hell, depending on what we did with that decision. Then he's going to turn around and say, oh, but actually— I wasn't allowing well, you to actually. Make this. <laughs> no, so now, we're, we're going to dig into I, this. I refer I refer to a lot of these people as the the yebuts and the actualizers. People, yeah, they they you post stuff. You're like pictures of my son. Here's what we're doing. But then the moment you post something remotely controversial, or there's anything that's up for debate, they're the first ones that try. Well, actually, yeah, or, yeah but go. yeah, exactly. Just in that voice too. Huh? Now, voice. Jacob Arminius was another theologian. He never met Calvin. wasn't even alive when when Calvin was alive. But he became famous for refuting some of those things, yeah. and he put a lot of emphasis on the fact that we do have free will. Now, usually when you have extreme theologies, you'll find the Bible is somewhere right down the middle. And I believe that's the case here. And this is because oftentimes it's just human nature. Somebody reads the Bible, they get fascinated with a certain idea. Yes. So in time, they start interpreting everything else in the Bible through the lens of that. They favorite verses and they try to find everything. Right. So Calvin got fascinated with the sovereignty (laughs) of God. And the Bible does teach that, that God is sovereign, that nothing can happen without God allowing it to. But he pushed that to the point of saying, okay, if it can't happen without God allowing it to, actually it can't even happen unless God makes it happen, which means he took a, a genuine biblical doctrine, pushed it too far. Arminius, on the other hand, who accepted the free will, went a little too far with that to the point of, well, if we still have free will even after we're saved, then we can somehow lose, lose our lose salvation. Yeah. And that's why I'm neither a Calvinist nor an Arminius. I was joking here, although it's not actually a joke. I'm a one-point Calvinist. I do accept his doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. I do believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. If you're saved, that often gets confused with an easy believism. I don't believe somebody can just pray to receive Christ and then live any way they want. Uh, But Calvinism, the one part of Calvinism I accept, said it it does matter what you do. If you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit will help you persevere. So uh, thank you, Bob Siegel. I, I knew we could walk out the door anytime and he would just continue talking. Right. And, which is good because he's got a lot to say. My listening friend, here's the deal. I want to steep you in Holy Spirit directives and so that you can know which is good and not good, what's right and not right. Because people, especially when God is going to like manifest himself mightily in these last days, he's going to call on people to make a stand on his behalf. You need to make a prudent, wise stand and a balanced stand, or else uh, why should people pay attention? You, you like any other person around there, here. And so if you're built uh, under the directive of the Holy Spirit uh, as far as listening and hearing his voice and obeying, you will ha- carry a lot more uh, credibility. So we're going to spend this entire two hours talking about the topic of Arminianism and Calvinism and help you get a balance on where to make your stand based on your relationship with God and his Holy Spirit. Bob Siegel. Alex Bush and I will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Welcome back, my friends. An engaging topic, to say the least. Bob Siegel of the Bob Siegel Show uh, on The Answer San Diego is a 
a co-host with me on this Salem Media other station called Cape Rays, and the program, obviously, as you know, Come Together San Diego, and Alex Bush, a longtime friend and a co-producer of this show for years, uh, they came up with an idea, or Alex came up with an idea, t- dealing with the topic of uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism. And, you know, that may be something that you, if you're a Bible student, you're familiar with these terms. If you're not a Bible student and you're not familiar with them, you're going to, as you dig through Scripture, you're going to see different people camping around different doctrines and things like that. And the danger is if you camp there and you disallow the fullness of God's plans in and through you, you can misspeak and somebody's going to take what you say and they're going to put full weight onto it when God never told you to put full weight into it. I'm going to, Before we just jump into this, uh, um, Alex and Bob, w- Alex, why do you think uh, this is an important topic? Why did you bring this to me and say, well, let's talk about it? Seems to be a topic of discussion as of late. I remember reading this in, about Calvinism in history class in junior high and high school, and it seemed so distant. And then just within the last five, six years, I'm finding this coming up more and more. I'm like, okay, I think this is probably because more people are starting to put themselves in these different camps. Mm-hmm. It's probably something that we should be discussing a little bit more and seeing what the, what the word says. And, and you would say that many people wouldn't even know the words Calvinism or the mm-hmm. words uh, Armenianism, but they would know the, the thoughts behind them. And, you, and you, they go, oh, that's Armenianism, right. and that is Calvinism. Yes. So I, I wanted to start this show by giving the people an idea of why they need to know about that. Bob, what's your thought? Bob yeah, well, I, I think it's important because it relates to the gospel and it relates to salvation. There's a lot of issues I don't think Christians need to divide themselves over. And I wouldn't divide myself over this one either. For example, uh, I'm not a Calvinist. If somebody was, I wouldn't tell him he can't join my church. I wouldn't tell him he could never teach. But I would challenge it because, honestly, in all the years I've talked to college students around the country going out and doing seminars and open-air forums and taking their questions, I don't see how anybody looks at a seeker or a skeptic with a straight face and says, you are not going to heaven if you don't accept Jesus, and yet you don't even have the free will to make that decision. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't wash if we have any concept of a loving and fair God, which the Bible teaches. However, it's also true that the Bible doesn't teach that we're predestined in that way. Now, you will find the word predestined in the Bible. All these fancy theological words, or I should say many of these fancy theological words, you will find the Bible, but they don't always mean the things that people say yes. they're meaning. The Bible can be taken out of context. Yes. So a quick quick definition of the two topics, Calvinism and Arminianism, from you, Bob, and then I'm going to have uh, Alex kind of take over the show and, and follow his outline per se, but Holy Spirit always stirs that up anyway. Alex, <laughs> beware. You know that. Oh, yeah. Well, the short version would be <clears throat> Calvinism believes in predestination, that God decides not us. God decides whether or not we're going to be saved. Arminianism does not believe in predestination, says that we have free will. Now, they're both much more involved with that, yes, obviously, but, that, good... but that, that would be your quick reader's digest definition. Yes, yes, yes. So, Alex, there you go. We've got about seven or eight minutes in this segment, and uh, then we'll carry this through the entire two hours, ending at 7 p.m. No Pacific my. time. Yeah. I To your point earlier about looking somebody in the face, say, unless you've accepted Jesus— you're going to go to hell, but you don't, I'll have a say in a matter. I just have this from the beginning of your podcast. So you want to believe in God, but you were told that if you're a follower of Jesus, 
that's not your Yeah, thing. and what's interesting is when <laughs> Calvinists go out and share the gospel, they they don't usually say that to people no. because they know how it stands. There was a Calvinist who was a, a little more um well, a little more consistent. J.R. Packer had been a well-known theologian. He wrote a book called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. And he tried to explain it by just saying it's a mystery. Um, God is the king who makes all decisions, but God is the judge who's going to judge our free will. And he, he liked the word antinomy, saying there can be mm. two ideas in the Bible, and they look to us like they contradict. They really go together. He liked using the illustration of a mountain when you look at a mountain, if there's a cloud on the top, you know by faith that the two sides of the mountain meet somewhere in the cloud, <laughs> but you don't see it. And then he gives an illustration. He says, the Trinity. God is three, yet God is one. So we're not able to explain the Trinity, but the Bible teaches the Trinity. So he says, maybe this sovereignty of God and free will of man, uh, maybe they meet somewhere in the same way. The only difference is by talking about the free will of man, he was already deviating a little bit mm-hmm. away from Calvinism. And there are subsets of Calvinism. There are some Calvinists that will say, no, actually, we do have free will. We just don't have free will about salvation. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the writings of John Calvin really carefully, he basically said nothing could happen wow. without God ordaining it or mm-hmm. decreeing it. And if that's mm-hmm. true— uh, we do not have free will. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, Alex, I'm handing the yeah. time to you. We've I mean, got five minutes in this segment and then the rest uh, till 7 p.m. <laughs> so, going back to the sovereignty of God, one of the issues that keeps coming up with Calvin is, oh, so you don't believe that God is, is sovereign? It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to say the president. We'll say Gavin Newsom is the governor of California, for better or worse, and he has sovereignty over our state, but laws get broken all the time, despite whoever it is that's in charge. Exactly. And we have Jesus going into Jerusalem, knowing that within days he's going to be crucified, knowing that there was a calendar given in the ninth chapter of Daniel of when he would ride in. He's crying, he's weeping because the people didn't know their day of visitation because of this, because of their sin. God's going to allow their enemies to attack them, which happened under the Romans. Mm-hmm. And he's just weeping. And then what? He turns around and says, and yet it was my will that you not accept me. And I'm weeping mm-hmm. because you followed my will. It just, it just doesn't wash. Now, I do understand there's certain passages, Romans 9 and the like, where if you look at them out of context, it does look like this is just exactly what the Bible is teaching. But if you put the Bible in context and in the context of ancient Judaism and the kinds of things they understood in the words that they used, then, then we realize the Bible's not actually teaching this at all. Right. And I could see some of that where you've got the Lord who always has been, always at Alpha and the Omega. He knows the beginning from the end. So as far as he's concerned, he's outside of what we perceive as time and space. So it's so I can understand the where we don't they don't think that we have free will because well he knows what is going to happen. But yeah. So, so I, I, understand, yeah, I understand exactly. That. I get it. And, and I've, had, I've had even people that are atheists, they're not Calvinists, they've, they've tried to bring this up in, in a debate with me. This has happened many times mm-hmm. in formal debates at universities. They'll say, if God knows ahead of time what you're going to do, then when that day comes, you have to do it. Because if you don't do it, you made God wrong. It's a very clever argument. It breaks down, but, but it's clever. So if God knows I'm going to have lunch tomorrow and I have a choice between a hamburger and a salad, well, anybody who knows me knows I'm going for the burger and not the <laughs> wussy salad. But, okay, if God sees ahead of time that I'm going to eat the burger, then when that day comes, I have to have the burger. 
Otherwise, God is, is wrong. So it's a very clever argument, but here's where it breaks down, and, and you alluded to it. It's assuming that neither we nor God are the constant of the universe. The constant of the universe is instead this imaginary thing called a timeline. In other words, it didn't happen yet, but God did something likened to looking into a crystal ball, saw it happening someday, but it hasn't happened yet. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, like you said, Alex, that God is removed from time. So the reason God knows I'm going to eat the hamburger is because he sees me eating the hamburger while I'm eating the hamburger. It's not that it's happening ahead of time. He just It's just that he sees everything. And he could also see Isaiah at the same time and tell him I'm going to eat a hamburger someday if he wanted to, hap- if he thought that was all that important. It's happening now. It's kind of like that scene from Spaceballs where they're watching the video themselves. What is happening now is happening now. Yes, I love this is now. I can't breathe in this thing. I love that movie. Wow. It Mel sounds, Brooks. It sounds yeah. like we're going through those kind of things right now. I can't yeah. breathe in this thing. <laughs> I, it, it seems like that was... I Also, it was, it's been my lifelong dream to connect space balls to the word and our discussion. So now I can get a good night's sleep tonight. <laughs> and I bet you, because I know Alex, you can probably get some more uh, movie analogies. And, and, and Bob Siegel as well. He loves to uh, refer <laughs> well, to Well, since it. we're doing Mel Brooks, I have to put in a good word <laughs> for the history of the world, part one, where Moses comes down with three tablets. Oh, and yes. And then he drops one. The Lord God gave me these 15. Uh, uh, 10. <laughs> 10 commandments. <laughs> <laughs> remarkable. And you know something? Here, here's the deal. You know, if you, we get too serious about uh, the holiness part, we become holy but ineffective or wholly ineffective and what god wants to do he, he he's playful he's playful yeah. and you know uh, if some of the skeptics out there know that it's okay to laugh maybe they'll become a christian who knows <laughs> or maybe they'll at least consider it who knows we've got about one and a half minutes or so in this s- segment here so alex uh mr co-host uh, bring this to a head and prepare us for the next segment well to your to your point bob with the the hamburger and the salad i think the best of both worlds in and out Protein-style wrap, wrapped in lettuce. <laughs> That's the way my wife orders. Except she tried that at Jack in the Box, and they didn't know what yeah, the heck no, she was yeah. I said, you need to just order the hamburger and take the bun off yourself because they don't know what you're talking yeah. about. You're not at In-N-Out. So the, the, the analogy that I that I like to use along with the, the hamburgers, uh, my son is two. He'll be three in July. Cute as a button. His name's Dexter. and He'll walk into a room, and he'll see a soccer ball. The first thing he's going to do is he's going to go after that soccer ball. Now, how do I know that? Because I'm 41. I have 38 years of experience over Dexter. How much more? How much older is the Lord than us? He, he's at least yeah. he's at least five years older. But than Dexter's us, and still he choosing to go. You know, Dexter's going to go for the soccer ball, but he's still not, making the choice. Not to because do it. not because I'm making like well, you're doing. I know that's how you're going to respond my, my. because you're my son. Well, ooh, I like profound because you're my son. I know how you're going to respond. Ooh, I think that was biblical. Or so son. my listening friend, Alex, uh, <laughs> Alex Bush and Bob Siegel, uh, we're talking about uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism. Uh, once saved, always saved, or you can lose your salvation. You know, it's important for you to know what God's heart is and to be able to communicate that when you're called to give an account to anyone who asks, and do so with meekness and with fear. Yes. So a fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what we're trying to do is to invest uh, some time here to help you get a good comprehension of, about God's heart so that when you open your mouth, it is God's Spirit that speaks through you. We're going to talk more about these things when Bob Siegel and Alex Bush and I come right back. 
You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hi, San Diego. This is Pastor Larry Peltier of Beach Chapel, Encinitas. Lord, we pray for grace and favor for all of San Diego, all those who are homeless, who are sick, who need help. We just thank you, God. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Hello there, my friends. A, A combustible conversation we're having here. On Come Together San Diego, Bob Siegel, the Bob Siegel Show, uh, and uh, he is a guy on our, our our sister station, and the name of the sister station is? KCBQ, 1170 The Answer, or I guess up in the north, 96.1 FM. Right, The Answer San Diego. Yeah. And yeah, they don't even use the word KCBQ. I mean, that's technically the name, but they yes. don't even use it anymore. Yes, Just yes. The Answer San yes. Diego. Well, they don't necessarily use the words Calvinism or Armenian, <laughs> but they are but they are real, and so we need to understand. That is correct. You like how I worked that into the very good. That mm-hmm. was a smooth, <laughs> smooth segue. And uh, smooth Alex, segue. Bu- Alex Bush, we're going to let hand it over to you soon. But I have to take care of just a little bit of business here, and I'm going to hand it over to you for uh, beginning the segment as well. My listening friend, we're we're excavating, if you will, uh, Calvinism and Armenianism, and assessing what their meaning is, and really over doing an overview of what God's intention for His kids are, and try to do uh, comparisons there, so that we can know what to say, what to believe, and uh, because other people are going to be watching and listening now more than ever before. Before we do, I just want to talk a little bit about the half tuition uh, adventure being offered through. Uh, Salem Media Group and KPRZ. Uh, this half uh, tuition at the Christian schools, which are located around San Diego County, is very important. It's going on probably through the fall. And let me give you a little overview of what this is. If you have a child that is going to be entering school or uh, graduating from one grade to another, it's important to embrace Judeo-Christian values. And in this world right now, and some of the curricula that you are seeing, that is not happening for sure. In fact, a lot of the schools are pretending like they are doing that and introducing Judeo-Christian values, but they're really not. And if that's something that's been stirring you, I want you to know that uh, the Cape Rays has a half uh, tuition, half off tuition uh, in, endeavor going on right now through the fall. Um, and basically it's an exclusive offer through this station. And there is a, a a predetermined amount of vouchers available, and they're limited. So uh, if you have a child going back to school, there are schools that are offering this, that they're offering good, solid Judeo-Christian values. And Balboa School, they had their group of people with whom they deal, the students are elementary through high school. The Balboa School Educate for Life School of Apologetics, eighth grade uh, through college students, um, Heritage Christian School, preschool to 12th grade, Jump Preschool and Kindergarten, Elementary to uh, Junior High School, Rhombus University. It's an online uh, uh, university. It's a Christian psychology master's program. <laughs> so it goes all the way to uh, upper education and also San Diego Christian College for higher education. So I want you to check these out by going simply to kprz.com and look for a button that talks about half tuition education and you will be pleased. But you need to move on it right now. Anyway, Alex, there you go. Can we take a slight detour from this topic to, on sure, what, because, what you're talking about just now? Because as you as you know, you're a 
co-host, Good, and that yes. means you have the freedom. So, uh, something like that. I have the free will. I could do it. Free will. Oh, he's not. You see, see what I did? There? Uh, <laughs> that they really are coming for our kids. And Bob, you were talking on your your program. I can't remember. It was one of the programs where you're discussing anti-Semitism and what was happening. And you were talking about a kid show on Palestinian TV, oh, which was in, yeah in Palestine. About so you, how Jews are monsters and devils. Yes. Yeah. So you hear you you hear stories like that. And it's just so unbelievable. And it's not far off from what we're hearing right in our own country. Yes, absolutely. And, and right now, and even even still, I I can't I can't say I can't say what I do for work or at least publicly, but I can tell you that I my job I I go onto school property and there I can't even say what school this is. It's it's somewhere it's it's local, fairly local. But I went onto the campus, and there were all these woke social justice posters that were done in either social studies or art class or something. Dozens upon dozens of all these posters that these kids made being put up all over the place. Absolutely. White kids are being told about their white privilege. doesn't matter how old they are. They could be in the third grade. And the teachers' unions in a lot of places are saying, we will not open up the schools uh, you know, after COVID, unless you promise to do this, as if that had anything to do with health and had Absolutely. anything to do with COVID. COVID well, it has just something the, to do with health, ne- very negative, however. Yeah. Yes. And so I, I'm sitting here going, fine, just don't open the schools. I know everybody else is worried that they're not going to open the schools. I just assume they stay closed if they're going to teach. Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of private schools out there. And yes, and so I'm I'm in a pretty good position where I'm able to. Nobody else is on the school property at the hours that I'm that I'm there. So when I saw this, it was just after two. It was in between two thirty and two forty a.m. Caltrans. These for anybody who's not local, Caltrans. They're the people that do construction on the freeways. Most of the time, they operate in the middle of the night when everybody else is asleep and traffic is at a minimum. So much like Caltrans gets to work while everybody else is asleep, so the enemy gets to work as well. Sounds like a voting process to me. (laughs) (laughs) And in the middle of the night, they'll just come and dump a bunch of social justice woke posters onto the school. So this this particular school, I I stayed there for an extra five, ten minutes just praying over this place, just just covering it in prayer. And contrast that with there's another school where the – some of the some of the workers there, I can't even say what they do. I don't want them to get in trouble. But they play worship music in their environment. There was even one gal that laid her hand and prayed over me while I was going through it. Just every time going through it, it's just you could just feel the atmosphere in that area and contrast that with the atmosphere of this other place, just how dark, my, my. dark yeah, and yeah, dismal yeah. it is. So I'm using this to do the segue back into the Armenianism yes. and Calvinism. So you and I have had discussions about this before where I'm unoriginal. Oh. I'm super unoriginal. I actually just bought the domain name, superunoriginal.com. <laughs> but you true, know the ironic thing is that is very original. So, yeah, well, there's nothing new under the sun. That's the – so anything that I say, it's either something I've heard before, something the Lord's given me, it's a movie quote or whatever. That being said, with the topics that we're discussing, I genuinely am, even though I, I it seems that I'm – maybe I have my heels dug into – one particular school of thought. I am willing to have my mind changed on topics, period. Years ago, uh, when I was being ministered to by a man of God, he said, hey, we're going to make a deal here, and I would do the same thing whenever I was mentoring other people. We're going to go through the this, is the, this is the word of God right here. We're going to go through this, and if we come across a passage or see something that conflicts with something that we're saying and doing, 
the agreement that we need to come up with right now is we don't get to change what the word says. We have to change to line up with what we're saying and doing. We have to change what we're saying and doing to line up with the word. And that's not usually the way people approach the Bible, unfortunately. So usually they'll bust out, so they'll use a Sharpie as a highlighter, well, they'll, blackout they'll, verses they don't like. Or they'll <laughs> acknowledge that it's there, but they try to fit it. It's kind of like, you know, when you do a jigsaw puzzle and you're looking for this piece and you finally find one and it looks like it's the right shape and it clearly isn't when you try it, but how many times did you keep trying it because mm-hmm. you really wanted that to be the piece and you're in denial? People do that with verses of the Bible, oh, too. Oh, man. What's that? The definition of insanity is... Uh, doing the same, same thing, thing again and again, expecting different results. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I, I genuinely am willing to change my, have my mind change about this. So there's tulip, which I don't even know how... The, maybe because John Calvin was Dutch because the word tulip, I don't even think is actually... That's, a, that's an acronym? That's the acronym. Yes, for the five points of Calvinism. So not sure who came up, but total depravity, which is funny because when you're, you're hearing these teachings from Calvinists, is it total depravity? Well, we don't really. Eh. Total depravity? Really? But that's what T stands for. Then there's unconditional election, uh, limited, limited atonement, atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. So the to- total depravity, it we, we were talking about this a little bit before, before the show started. You were saying it's... It, what, it, what was the term you well, called? Well, it, it's the belief in the sin nature. They'd say we're so sinful that we can't make the decision. I would say, yes, we're very sinful and we're very depraved, but we're not so totally depraved that we're unable to make that decision. And then they put it together with irresistible grace. They say if the Holy Spirit doesn't do a work on your heart, you can't accept Christ. Well, it's a partial truth. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do a work on your heart, you can uh, not accept Christ. However, we can push the Holy Spirit away, and the Bible calls that the blasphemy, blasphemy of, the of the Holy Spirit, which mm. is clearly a decision we have. It's the unforgivable sin. It's the same as the sin of rejecting Christ. Same sin because it's the Holy Spirit who enlightens us and makes Christ known. Oh, my, my. An interesting acronym. Again, give that to us slowly, TULIP, and because we're going to be tiptoeing through the tulips in the next segment. TULIP. Oh, we need to play Tiny Tim singing Tiptoe Through the Tulips. So what does the acronym stand for again? TULIP. Total depravity, unconditional, I keep wanting to say unrelent, unconditional election, Limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from Alex Bush and uh, Bob Siegel. And guess what we're going to do in the remainder of this show? We are going to tiptoe through the <laughs> they, tulips. Tiptoe carefully through the <laughs> theological tulip. <laughs> Lest we offend people. Yes. Or, or, uh, I Who be would a, have thought Tiny Tim was a Calvinist all these years? But I, I want to be an <laughs> equal opportunity offender. And that's what we're going to do when we come back on Come Together San Diego. Do not go away. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, hello, my friends. We are tiptoeing through the tulips. And the tulips is an acronym to describe Calvinism. Isn't that right, boys? Absolutely, Kaz. <laughs> okay. Well, the, that was the voice of Bob Siegel, Bob Siegel Show, uh, on our sister station here, The Answer San Diego. And he has joined us on KPRZ. It's always good to have him cross, it's, cross, cross the hall. Cross-pollinization. Yeah, yeah, it's really it also is right across I the know, hallway. I know. Right, it's a walk across the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex Alex Bush uh, is my one of my two um, 
producers here on the show for several years, and he has the idea that he wants to talk about Calvinism versus Armenianism, and he used the acronym TULIP. Let's start this with the, the def- definition of that acronym. What are the what are the T-U-L-I-P? What is that? And I'm, then I'm going to hand it to you, Alex Bush, to continue the conversation. The conversation. So TULIP, it's an acronym that stands for Total Depravity, Unconditional Election, Limited Atonement, Irresistible Grace. And, of course, every time I hear that, I think of Robert Palmer, simply irresistible. <laughs> and perseverance of the saints and so that's and, a calvinistic, and there are five different ways of saying we don't have free will god decides and that's really. a calvinistic mm-hmm. uh, doctrine yes exactly okay absolutely Alex? so uh, unconditional election I, it almost seems that that sort of ties into perseverance of the saints as far as the once saved always saved it's that thing. god decided ahead of time who would be saved and who wouldn't <clears throat> and again these things are based on partial truths because if you go to romans chapter 9 they do talk about a person that god created knowing full well that that person was not going to accept Christ. But if you go back to Romans 8, and you see the word predestined used biblically, it says those whom God foreknew, Mm -hmm. he predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. In other words, once we give our life to Christ, we are certainly with our free will inviting the Holy Spirit to come, put a perimeter around our free will. We're signing the dotted line. We're allowing God to adopt us as his children and raise us, and as his child will turn out the way he wants us to turn out. So Romans 8, and of course the chapter divisions weren't originally there when the letters were written, but for our reference point, Romans 8, those who God knew would choose to become Christians, he planned out a Christian life. What Paul does in Romans 9 is he says, and those who God knew would not become Christians, he found a way to use them too. Now, somebody could stand before God and say, if, if you knew I wasn't going to accept Christ, why did you create me? And Paul says that's a mystery. But what's not a mystery is that that person had no choice about it. He yeah. did have a choice. Mm-hmm. Certainly somebody could say, hey, uh, why did you create me if you knew I was going to do this? It, it is a mystery. It is an interesting question. But it really has nothing to do with free will. Unfortunately, Calvinism makes it have something to do with free will. Yeah, and that that kind of goes back to the. Uh, it almost sounds like why if if you weren't gonna save me, then why create me in the first place? And it almost sounds like that. I think you talked about annihilationism on one of your podcasts. Uh, well, recently. when you get to the doctrine of hell, yeah, there is there is a belief that hell is a, a real place, but a place where we're completely annihilated. Yeah, they base base that on the verse of Jesus that says, "Don't fear him who can destroy the body, but destroy body and soul in hell." I'm sympathetic to that doctrine. I believe hell is a place where people will be for all of eternity. Oh, yeah. I can understand why somebody might look at that verse and say, well, maybe it is a place where we're annihilated. The point is, hell is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Right. Those who don't accept Christ are not going to end up in hell. And the part you're, and you're talking about, we're talking about Paul referring to us as a mystery. And I find things, I come across things in the Bible that I don't understand. I'm like, okay, it's there. I don't understand it, so I'm going to set this off to the side for now and then I'll get back to it later. Or sure. or when you're when you're reading Daniel, Daniel's getting these gnarly revelations and he's like, uh, but if you just stop there, that that's it. There there's nothing more but he says but he goes on to say, what does this mean? Yeah. And then a lot get, of times then they're interpretation. Yeah, so yeah. so it gets it gets explained later on, just not necessarily in your in your time. So for years I had thought back to original sin, okay, if this was 
we're experiencing, well, for those of us whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, this is as close to hell as we're possibly going to get. Subsequently, people whose names are not written there, this is as close to heaven as they're going to get. Oh, yeah. So if, they're, to, so, if they're, put it. so they're just being lukewarm and being mediocre, they may as well just go do whatever it is that they, they want to do because, yeah. But, but go ahead. Uh, I say, but I, I never, why, why put the tree there in the first place? And the answer being because you don't have to be, to truly be obedient. There has to be the opportunity to be disobedient. Oh, yeah. So the ability to do good includes the ability to do bad or it's not a real ability. And apparently our, our ancestors, Adam and Eve did not appreciate the paradise God put them in. I, I think the closest to an explanation that the Bible comes is Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't need you, Dad. I'm going to go out. Give me my inheritance. And he made a total wreck of his life, came back to his dad. His dad was very merciful and forgave him. The people listening to Jesus tell that parable were not thinking it was going to end that way because in those days, once your father pronounced you dead, you lived in disgrace. Mm. You came back. You came back like a hired hand. And it was actually a very surprise ending to mm-hmm. them, even though the parable is very familiar to us. And I think when, when a lot of times people say, well, well, we have free will in heaven. And I say, yeah, we will. And they go, you mean we could actually sin in heaven? I said, we can, but we won't in the good news. And here we get again to God being outside of time. My, my. God has told us that we won't. But here's the reason we won't. We know now what it will lead to, which yeah. Adam and Eve did not lead. If we see a tree of life in heaven, and Revelation talks about the tree of life being there when the when we go into the New Jerusalem, nobody's going to dare go near that thing mm-hmm. because we've seen the other side. So apparently it was a lesson God wanted to teach us about the responsibility of our free will being made in his image. But my friends, good and evil are not substances that God creates in a test tube. What God creates is personality, sentience, free will. Good and evil are choices we make. I always hear, well, why did God create evil? He didn't create evil. He didn't create good. He created us, and we make choices that are evil or good. And you could apply that to the angelic realm as well. Exactly, because one one of the beings of heaven, Satan, made a choice to move away from God himself because he no longer wanted to submit to the authority of God, and many angels went after him and followed him instead of God. My listening friend, I hope this is stirring you to dig deeper into the word. But one of the things that I think is erroneous, and we embrace these different doctrines, if we embrace the doctrines, we're forgetting about the actual character of God. What does God's character say? What does his heart say? He loved David because David was a man after his own heart. And the scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That Whether you do or not, you've got to know the character of God. When you know the character of God, then you can, you can anchor there. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And one of the things Calvinists say all the time is God wasn't obligated to forgive anybody. So if he shows mercy on some and removes their will, that's fine. And my answer is no, he wasn't obligated to forgive anybody, but he did come down and take the time to die for everybody. And then they tried to get around that. With another Just one on the like. tulip, and that is that it's a limited atonement. He didn't really die for everybody, but that one doesn't wash because in First John chapter 2, he says he not only died for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. It's very clear, very clear. Absolutely. And then that comes back to the question of, well, if, it's, if he died for everybody, then why are some people in hell right now because they have free will and that includes whether or not to accept it's like if somebody went to to a judge and the judge 
found him guilty, but decided to be merciful and suspend his sentence. Can you imagine him saying, that's wonderful, Your Honor. The first thing I'm going to do is rob another bank when I get out of here. Then at that point, it's like, okay, if you're not going to really accept the mercy, then you're going to get the justice. So yes, he does give us a second chance. If we throw away even that second chance, what more can he do? There's a scripture I'm trying to remember. Behold, the judgment and the mercy of God. It talks about there are both there, and we have a level of determination on which direction we go. We're running out of time in this segment, but I, I want to uh, spend a little bit of time in the next segments. We're going to uh, un- unravel this a little bit more, continue talking about the tulip, and, but th- uh, it seems like a lot of times we're focusing on the, uh, the the disadvantage of Calvinism, but there are disadvantages to Arminianism as well, and can we bring yes, those up? Yes, I don't segment? agree with everything the Arminians do either. I'm a little more with them than the Calvinists, but I <laughs> I do not agree absolutely with everything the Arminians teach either. Well, we're going to excavate this even more in the last uh, hour for Come Together San Diego. And here's what I hope. I I don't want you to go out and say, you know, you're a Calvinist. We hate you. Or you're an Armenian. We hate you. But what we want to do is you're a lover. You're you're, you're a God's kid. And we love you. And that in, in itself embracing the character of God in your life, your lifestyle, and in your testimony is going to impact lives. We're going to talk about this more when Come Together and Bob Siegel and Alex Bush and I come right back. <laughs> this is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos Poway, and K29CR Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, K-Praise. Come together, San Diego, with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Hello, my friends. You know what I love about Come Together San Diego? My whole my whole vision for this broadcast is for San Diego to come together. <gasps> I know Alex Bush is amazed with that because... Shocking. Maybe he didn't know that, but he's been a producer with me for three years on this show. I think he knew. You mean it. to tell me that words matter, and so when you come together San Diego actually <laughs> means... Come together, San Diego. That's right. And one of the things we try to do is we try to explore things that are not going to separate, but are going to draw together. And and sometimes this the whole idea between Calvinism and Armenianism can separate people. I don't want to go there. I want us to be drawn together. But it's hard to be drawn together if somebody just says, oh, don't even worry about those differences. Uh, just do God stuff. But do, you need to have a further understanding of these things because, you know, other people are going to ask you questions, and so you need to ask the Lord the questions. Be prepared to give an, an-, an answer. And as long as the we answer. all love Jesus, that's, we that's can't exactly. judge people. Whether There's a, a funny story about a, a Bible study, and somebody got there late. And the Calvinists and Arminians couldn't get along, so they actually separated, and they mm-hmm. were having two separate discussion groups. So one guy just walked over to one of them, and they said, we're the Calvinists. Why are you here? He goes, oh, I don't know. I saw two groups, so I just decided to join this one. They said, decided? Decided? Get out of here. Go to that other group. So they went, he went to the other group. They said, why are you here? They said, he said, well, I was sent. Sent? Sad, you mean you didn't decide yourself anyway, oh, that, just that, to show you how ridiculous it can get. Yes, yes, yes. One of the things that we want to be able to get to on Come Together San Diego is, and one of the things you would not see in today's society is the freedom of discourse or discussion right now. The discussions that we're having right now would not be tolerated by some people or some 
administrations, yeah. for example, because you, you, people see different things uh, scripturally, and we love one another anyway. So all of a sudden, people see, hey, you know, these guys are in somewhat disagreement. You want, you want to hear two Orthodox Jews have a discussion. You think they hate each other, <laughs> yeah, right. but they don't. And yeah. what we're saying right now is we have open discourse and because because our, our our motivation is not to tear the other person down, but is for God to come together through us. Would you agree? Absolutely, yes. And I'd say I, I'm thankful to be living in a country where we do have freedom of speech. So I know, far, I know I know big big tech's doing the shot. <laughs> they're doing the shadow banning, and I know we're recording somewhere. It's going somewhere in the ether. We don't yeah. happen to know where it's going right now. But you can't do this in a place like North Korea or China. Yeah. Yeah. Try doing this in China or Iran. Or, or well, especially Iran. Yeah. But I just, yeah, this, this is great. I love it. I dig it. This is what God does. He says, you know, mm. he, he, he's, he come reason with me, though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them as, as, as white as snow. But he, he doesn't mind us saying, you know, I made a decision years and years ago when I was studying, really deep, digging deep into every aspect of the word that I could discover. I said, uh, we can have this we can have a good discussion, but do you mind if I ask you the tough questions? He goes, ah, finally, somebody who's willing to have ask me the tough questions. And if you're willing to listen, that means you don't watch your clock and go, well, my 30 minutes are up. Goodbye. If yes. you're willing to stay in here and listen, I'm going to share some things with you that I has not seen, neither ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that I have in store for those who love me. And all of a sudden, it, it became, a, for me, it was a relationship, not an embrace of doctrines. And that's half the battle, too, yeah, is is listening with the intent to try and understand, not with the intent to rebut or come up with a build response. my case. This is my case. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I started, wasn't I expecting you to throw the ball? I, I was going to say along that actually a, a number of years ago, and you could still go to my website and listen to it. I, I had a Calvinist come on my show by phone, very friendly, very respectful, but we did not agree. But we were modeling that you can talk about this in a respectful way. Yes, yes, yes. Where are we as far as the show and what you want to do, Alex? I don't even know the the acronym's Tulip. I think it's been more Ulipped. That we or lip 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 to, uh-huh. we've we've been kind of bouncing all over the place. I think right before this, we were starting to talk about unconditional unconditional election, yeah, election. election. and uh, well, that again was that God decides ahead of time who is or is not going to be saved. And as I mentioned, when you go to Romans chapter nine, it it looks that way, but if you put it in the context of chapter eight, it's different. Also, the context of the Hebrew culture is very important oh, boy, because oh, the mm. ancient Hebrews would often speak and write as though anything that happened, God caused it. But they were very aware amongst themselves that what that meant is God allowed it. Yes. If God hadn't allowed it, it wouldn't have happened. And they didn't always feel the need to say that. Now, what's interesting is there are some passages where we have parallel accounts and we see it written both ways. For Mm. example, there's a passage in 1 Samuel where God tells David to take a census of Israel, mm. then gets mad at David for, for taking, taking a census, census of Israel, exactly. which makes no sense. But in Chronicles, where they give the, uh, the same account, it says Satan told David to take the census. Now, my atheist skeptic friends will put that up on their websites and say, see, the Bible's completely contradicting itself. My friends, if that would not have been considered a contradiction in those days in that culture, 
we can't consider it a contradiction either because what it meant to the original readers is what it means. When the Jews said that God told David to take the census, they mean he allowed Satan Mm. to tell him. And in one place, they write it that way, the way we would have written it in 21st century America. And at another place, they write it the other way. So we see examples of that. We can also go to the Talmud and read explanations sure. that they have about their own culture. And it's not just a matter of learning Hebrew. It's, it's the idioms. It's the metaphors. They spoke very poetically. It was very different than the way we talk today. Wow. So we've got to be very, very careful. Sometimes just a little understanding of the culture. Look how we got a whole doctrine out of just not understanding that the Hebrews sometimes wrote as if we had no free will. But they really didn't mean it that way. They never intended it that way. They they never intended it to be taken that literally. Look at the book of Job. I mean, God was favored Job, but also the enemy can have influence. And and, and God goes, have you considered my servant Job? And so at that juncture, uh, Satan had had the, the... freedom to be able to stir things up a little bit. But this wasn't God showing disfavor with Job. In fact, it was an opportunity for Job Job to actually discover who he was and who he wasn't. And at the close of that book, the Bible says that he restored he restored uh, everything twofold. Right. Well, and that book's another great example of them writing it both ways, because in the first two chapters, we get this sneak peek behind the scenes yeah. mm-hmm. that Satan made Job sick and caused all these calamities, but it only happened because God allowed it. In fact, Satan had to get permission to do it. But throughout the rest of the book, Job's friends and Job are talking as if God was the one who caused it. Mm -hmm. And at the end, when Job finally gets an audience with God, you never see God go, okay, well, you've been on candid camera. (laughs) (laughs) Satan and I, no, he just says, look, I'm God. I'll do whatever I want. So again, we see the Hebrews writing it both ways. In the first two chapters, a little more accurately, Satan did it, but God allowed it. But for the rest of the book, they're talking as if God did it. We've got to get into the heads of the ancient Hebrew culture, or we're just going to be so confused with this stuff. Because because God has a bigger plan than what we think he has. Why, Why would Jesus say, if it's possible... To have the cup removed, this to be removed from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your yeah, will be done. Exactly. I mean, this is consider him who suffered such great contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you also be suffering in your own mind. Uh, so, the, God, there's no question about God, Father loving God's Son uh, beyond words, right? And, right. But the fact that he he had to work something a bigger picture out that Jesus has been the one that has to accommodate that because of his his sacrifice and shed blood, and we have to be thankful for him doing that because if he didn't do that, we wouldn't be here today. Exactly. If I were to get into a chess game with a genius <laughs> chess player, I'm going to lose <laughs> because my mind wanders so much. I'm probably going to lose no matter who I play yes. chess with. But I have one from time to time. If I'm with a genius chess player. I am going to lose. You could even say it's preordained. However, I have free will. When the game begins, at least, I can move those pieces anywhere I want. I can even move it somewhere my opponent didn't want me to move it. But since he's the genius, he'll take my move and plug it into his master plan. Thus, we have Peter and Acts saying Jesus was delivered over to Pontius Pilate according to the foreknowledge and will of God. Pilate made the decision to have Jesus executed, but actually God made that decision because if Jesus hadn't been executed, he never could have atoned for our sins. Pilate had no idea that even though he was using his free will, he was playing right into the gods. So yes, 
God is sovereign, that doesn't mean Pilate didn't have his own free will. That's right. We're going to talk about this more, Alex, as we go, but we have to take a break right now. And here, here's the thing I want you to be aware of. Look at the, 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 the state or the nation of, of the United States. Look at the nation of Israel right now. There's troublesome times. We're in the midst of troublesome times, but you have to say God's plan is bigger than the enemy's plan. In fact, Amen. He, he uses the enemy thinking that he's winning to actually cause him to lose in a bigger way. Yep. We're going to talk more about that as we dig more deeply in Calvinism and uh, Armenianism uh, when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Those of us that have been in between Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends, and back again with a stirring conversation weighing in the balance Armenianism and Calvinism. And uh, I'm... Alex Bush came to me with this idea. He's my been a, one of my two producers for all three years of the Come Together San Diego broadcast. And I said, okay, let's let's do it. Yeah, this is the only time that we have together, Kaz. I just <laughs> pitched this idea. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? I don't know. Let's talk about this on the radio. So h- here we are. Okay, and, that's, and then you, you're, you have a love for listening to Bob Siegel. Yes. And so he, he got mixed into the mix as well. Got it. Got in on this action too. But I want to talk about Job for just a second. We mentioned all the stuff that he went through before the last, this last break, I'm going to pose an idea, the Lord allowing things to happen, sometimes allowing bad things to happen because we step out from under his covering. If you think of the Lord's covering being like an umbrella, you know, you're dry, but then you step out from under the umbrella. Why did I get wet? Well, because you stepped out from under the umbrella. With Job, there's the one part in there, he says, the thing that I feared happened. Now, it doesn't mean that the Lord can't use bad things that happen to you to build up your character. And, of course, we know the end of the story of Job. He came out on top, got twice as many. Well, he got like seven more kids, and his riches and wealth were multiplied times seven or something like that. And then going back to Jesus, Garden of Gethsemane, he's talking about not my will be done, not my will, but your will be done. And then even earlier, when he's teaching the Lord's Prayer, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means that, well, the Lord's will is not getting done here on earth. That's why we're we're asking the Lord, hey, d- let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. But, Bob, I, I got to admit, this whole Armenian, Armenianism, Calvinism thing, I really don't know a whole lot about Armenianism. This I was basically taught, well— Here's the five points of Calvinism, and if you don't line up with this, well, then you fall in the other camp of Arminianism. Yeah, well, Calvin was around first. Arminian became famous for refuting Calvinism. And in that doctrine, again, of the irresistible grace, again, the, the Calvinists will say, if the Holy Spirit doesn't do a work in your heart, left to your own devices, even though, you know, I mean, I will say human beings have free will, Calvinists won't, but I will agree with them that left to our own devices, we are so sinful Mm-hmm. We would not go seeking God. So it is true that the Holy Spirit needs to do a work in our heart. The Calvinists are right about that. They take it too far, though, and they don't admit that it's a process we can push away, and that is called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, with a person reaching a point where they know or at least strongly suspect that Christ is real because the Holy Spirit is illuminating 
them and they push him away because they'd rather live a life of sin. This isn't some sincere skeptic that just doesn't understand Christ. This is somebody who's reaching that point. And the Bible says the condemnation is this. The true light came into the world, but men loved the darkness more than the light because their deeds were evil. Mm. Now, So we, we do acknowledge that the Holy Spirit must do that work, but we also acknowledge we can push him away. Now, the, the chief doctrine of Arminianism is called prevenient grace, where he gets into this. He says, yes, we have this depraved sin nature, but because the Holy Spirit is coming, he's helping us with that decision. Now, so far... He's with the Calvinists, but where he departs from the Calvinists is, again, we can push the Holy Spirit away. Now, one of the things the Calvinists like to do to, to uh, kind of combat that or retort that, they'll say, if you had anything to do with your, with your choice to get saved, then you were saved by works because the Bible says we're saved by grace. I said, no, no, you don't understand. It's true. The Bible says we're saved by works. Uh, we're not saved by works. We're saved, saved by, by faith. Grace. Faith, we're saved by grace. When Paul said that, he meant we're not saved by earning favor with God. I'm not going to get to heaven and have God shake my hand and say, Bob, I've wanted a man like you for a long time. Congratulations. No, I don't deserve to be in heaven. It's a free gift that God is offering. But I'm choosing whether or not to accept the gift. And when, if we want, we can say, well, isn't that choice technically an act of volition so doesn't it count as a work? Yeah, but it's not the kind of works that Paul was talking about. Paul meant dead religious ritual. Paul meant the idea that we think we're earning favor with God. <clears throat> now, there is a way to give God 100% credit for our salvation, mm. but at the same time give ourselves 100% credit if we don't get saved. Or blame. <laughs> and this is an illustration I like to use. Let's say somebody's drowning in the ocean and a helicopter comes over. Maybe it's sent by the Coast Guard. Maybe it's a private helicopter. But they want to rescue this guy. Unbeknownst to them, this guy doesn't want to be rescued. He's trying to commit suicide. So they throw him down one of those ladders, one of those rope ladders. He won't, mm. he won't take it. He wants to die. They say, well, we're not going to let you die. So they actually take a net, and they manage to get some guys down there, and they put the net around him, and then there's some kind of crane. They're just going to pull him up in the net. If he does nothing, but just sit still and let them put the net around him. He's going to get saved, and he's going to have nothing to do with his salvation. The guys in the helicopter saved him. But what if he's so determined to drown that he actually has a pocket knife on him, and while they're pulling him up in the net, and we have to assume it's not that sturdy of a net, and it probably would be, and that's where all analogies break down, but let's assume <laughs> he could get out a knife and cut a hole in the bottom of that net. Now he drowns. Whose fault was it that he drowned? His. But if he just did nothing, who would get all the credit for him being saved and rescued? The guys in the helicopter. All analogies break down, but I find that a useful analogy. Yes, I gave my life to Christ, but if the Holy Spirit hadn't done a work in my heart, I would not have been able to do that. I'm happy giving God all the credit. However, had I wanted to, I could have pushed the Holy Spirit away. And had I done that, I would have gotten all the blame. And that's, uh, that's my illustration, but I think it helps explain the doctrine from Jacob Arminius of prevenient grace. It involves the Holy Spirit coming and overriding our sin nature at least enough to help us make that decision. Wow. Ponderable for sure, Bob. I, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Words. 
Yeah, it's the difference between conviction versus making things happen. The Holy Spirit doing a work in you. Yes, the Holy Spirit can soften your heart. And you think of it as a, a conversation between two friends or two lovers. This wasn't good. You're, you know, you, you, need to, you need to change what you're doing. It's an intervention. Holy Spirit intervening. You need to change what you're doing or else this is going to happen. Or even Jesus saving the, we don't know, the adulteress where he was writing whatever was in the sand. He's, afterwards, he said, go and send no more. He didn't say, thank you, sweetie. Uh, here's a list of other guys that you can go sleep with. <laughs> right. So was still was still compassionate and, yeah, just wow. gave, her, gave her points in the right direction. Yeah, you know? in fact, as Christians, we're always saying, and it's fine wording it this way. I word it myself. We must make a decision to accept Christ. If we wanted to get really technical and legal and theological what we technically must do is just never make a decision to reject Christ. If we just let the God and the Holy Spirit do, do their thing, mm-hmm. we'll make that decision. That one decision to push him away is what we must not Ooh. do, and that's why it's called the unforgivable sin. My mm. the, the irony here is somebody could commit murder, but when he goes to hell, he's not paying for doing the murder. Now, he deserves to be. And, and for all intents and purposes, it's like that. Maybe he wanted to continue being a murderer. That's why he didn't repent. But it was the decision to not, not repent, repent, not accept the forgiveness, blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He's actually going to hell and paying for that one sin because that was the only sin Jesus didn't pay for on the cross. So in Revelation, that's, this is why they call it the second death. We're already mm. dead. Christ died for everybody. And what's interesting is in Revelation, everybody resurrects. Mm. including the unbelievers. That's well, right. why do they resurrect? Because Christ paid for their sins too. Then they get sent to hell, second death. Why? Because they were already dead. They already rose because of Christ, but because there was this other sin that Christ didn't die for that they committed, they go to hell and they pay for that one sin. Yeah. You've got to see the irony. And not before being judged. And not before res- being res- judged. Res- That's res- after the judged. great white throne judgment. Yeah. Two yeah. judgments uh, going on here. We've got the judgment seat of Christ, which uh, which overlays the the, God's <laughs> grace and uh, our repentant heart, and then the other one that happens afterwards is, is the great white throne judgment, and it's kind of like you've already made your decision. It's just a matter of the gavel going down now. Yeah, exactly. That's the one you don't want to yeah, see. Exactly. We, we've got uh, just a couple, one or two minutes. How would you like to end this one and then jump into the next segment? So talking about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, it seems that, that there's a— I've had conversations with a couple of people. They were they were worried that they've done it, and I just said, "Well, if you're worried that you've done it, then you haven't you done ha- it. You haven't, exactly. you haven't done it because Perfect. those those that have those that have done it, their their conscience is seared. That's right. If you're worried about it, that's a good sign. That means you have, and it's a it's a <laughs> lifetime that God gives you. Because when Jesus told the Pharisees about that, he had just cast out a demon. They were always saying, "Do a miracle, prove who you are." So he just proved it. Well, they didn't want to believe that. Yeah. And, they wanted to see the body cam footage. Yeah, they well, <laughs> you know, if he was <laughs> saying nicer things, if he was saying, "Hey, these Pharisees are great guys, follow their example," then probably they would have wanted to believe that he was the Messiah. But he was calling them whitewashed tombs with dead bones inside. They didn't want him to be who he was. He finally does a miracle. He finally gives them a sign. They go, "Oh well, you did that by the power of Satan." He says, "Gentlemen, there is such a thing as sincere ignorance." That will be taken into consideration. You mm-hmm. are now delving into insincere ignorance. You do not want to believe this. But it's a warning. He's yeah. saying, gentlemen, don't continue down this road. Slope. Many Pharisees and Sadducees gave their life to Christ. We read that in the book of Acts. Maybe even some of the ones standing there did. 
he, he's not going to give them a warning and then go, oh, oh, but oh, well, never mind. You, you actually just did it. You're beyond the point of no return. What kind of a warning is that? It's That's a warning. True. He's saying if you continue with that attitude for the rest of your life, that's going to be a problem. Now, of course, they don't know how much longer they had the rest yeah. of their life, but it exactly. was for the rest of their life that morning. Bob Siegel, remarkable insights. Uh, Alex Bush, remarkable leading the conversations. My listening friend, it's time for us to take a break. But I, I hope you've been listening to this, but not just listening to it as a, as a passive broadcast. I want you to listen to this with your heart and with your uh, decision. Your decision needs to be, God made me. God has plans for me. What am I going to do about it? And you, Bob, you made a, a comment about if, you, if you're if you concerned about it, then you're in a good place. Exactly. And I want to ask you, did God decree this break or did you just choose to give us this break? <laughs> well, let's just say my script says I need to take a commercial <laughs> okay. break. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm reading the word and that's what the word says. The, <laughs> Deal with that. The word of my your script. Listen, listening friend, we're going to talk more about this and bring some things to conclusion that are going to help you understand where you are, but where God wants you to go in light of this. And it's going to be uh, freeing for you and empowering for you. And Bob Siegel, Alex Bush, and I will discuss that when we come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Joel Lieberman from Tree of Life Messianic Jewish Congregation. Lord, we just do lift up the entire region of San Diego from Vista to Chula Vista. Lord, it says in the Psalms, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. We pray a spirit of unity over our city. In the name of Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, amen. Come together, San Diego, with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Hello, my friends. Great time excavating the Word of God. God's pleased when we excavate the Word of God, and He's not upset when we say, uh, ask Him the hard questions. He just says, hang around because I'm going to be giving you the answers, but you've got to be willing to hang around. That's where the challenge is. We get, oh, but God, you've only got seven, seven minutes left to, to give me. He goes, then you're not really interested in getting the, the, the deep answers to these things. So this whole topic of Calvinism and Armenianism is kind of one of those deep things, and we've been excavating that for this entire broadcast. Alec Bush has uh, brought this idea for, and we've brought in Bob Siegel of The Answer San Diego to give his insights as well on K-Praise. Alex Bush, handing it to you. Uh, we, we wanted, we've got uh, maybe 30 minutes or two 10-minute segments left. How do you want to do this? Oh, we could start off. I mentioned earlier about having my mind change on certain things, and Bob, you mentioned perseverance of the saints being the the portion of the tulip doctrine that that you're on board with. Uh, the problem that I have with that is, well, let me rephrase. I would like to believe that that's the case. That once saved, always saved. Like, got it. So there's you know, was it John ten twenty eight? Never never plucked out of my out of my hand. But then I read Exodus thirty was it Exodus thirty two thirty two or just the whole chapter of Exodus, but that verse specifically, Moses and the Lord are having an argument like a married couple, and Moses just says, you know what, hey, forgive their sins, but if you're not going to do it, then just blot my name out of out of your book. And then the Lord goes on to say, I will blot those names out. Those The only names I'm going to be blotting out are those that have sinned against me. So it talks about 
obviously I would like that's the book of life. Sounds like their names being blotted out of that, which to me it seems that you can't have your name blotted out of there if it wasn't written in there in the first place. And then was it Psalm sixty nine twenty eight? I believe I believe David wrote this one, but he's talking about having his having his enemies' names blotted out of the book of life. Yeah, and that's an interesting point you're making. The book of life was an illustration used commonly in the Bible. In those days, kingdoms had ledgers of, of the names of their citizens. Right. Getting back to what we were saying before, though, about how Jesus' death was for everybody and everybody resurrects. Mm-hmm. In a sense, they do have that life from Jesus, but they're, they're having pushed Jesus away, lots that name off of the book. When you get to... Uh, 1 John 3.10, he was born of God does not sin. Now, Mm -hmm. everybody out there, quit panicking. I know that since you've been (laughs) saved, you've sinned. The Greek in there means a continual, habitual sin. But the point is, whatever point one would get to sin so much that they're going to forfeit their relationship with God, it says very clearly there in 1 John that they can't do it. However, those who teach that we can lose their salvation— I do want to throw them a little bit of a bone because I believe in something very similar to that. I actually believe that there are two different kinds of relationships that God offers, okay. a temporary probationary one mm. and a permanent one. Now, the, whenever the Bible uses the term born again or saved, they're talking about the permanent one. Yeah. But there is such a thing as having a rapport. Remember, we talked before, the Holy Spirit's trying to draw all people. Right. Now, some people— rather than immediately pushing the Holy Spirit away, will let God into some of the closets and bedrooms of their life, Mm. but perhaps not give God the entire house. Mm. And they eventually push the Holy Spirit away. Hebrews 6, for example, they talk about somebody who became a partaker of the Holy Spirit and then then pushed him away. away. Now, are there examples of people in Scripture who had some kind of rapport with the Holy Spirit, but whose hearts were never right with God in the first place? Yeah, I'll give you a great example, Judas. Mm. Jesus said from the beginning, long before Jesus was betrayed by Judas, Judas was called a demon by Jesus, not literally, but Mm -hmm. under the control and influence of a demon. And yet, in Matthew 10, when Jesus sent his disciples out to heal the sick and to proclaim the gospel and to prophesy, he was part of it, and he could not have done that. Without the Holy Spirit. Mm. Here's another man whose heart we know wasn't right with God, Caiaphas. Mm-hmm. Caiaphas wasn't walking with God, and yet as high priest, God will honor the paradigm of a nation. It was his position of authority to receive the oracle. He gets this oracle saying that one man needs to die for Israel. Well, one man needed to die for Israel, but Caiaphas's damaged sensory equipment interprets that by saying, oh, well, Jesus is creating such a political upheaval and division. If we're not careful, the Romans will come take all of our rights away and Mm -hmm. take away even our religious freedom. They've already taken away our other freedoms. But if we just get Jesus out of the way, it'll save Israel. That must be what that prophecy meant. Well, that wasn't what the prophecy meant, but I'm not going to say that that wasn't a real prophecy that he received. So just two examples of a kind of rapport you could have with the Holy Spirit. So some people, when they pray to receive Christ— deep in the recesses of their mind and their own psychology, they're really saying, well, I'll, I'll try it. I'll, I'll try God. And God's a gentleman. He says, okay. It makes me think we'll of— We'll try it. We'll try it. There's a, there's a passage in Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis where he's talking about sexual morality. And he said you get some of those people that will 
say a prayer, Lord, make me chase. They'll say that with their lips, but in their hearts, but but not just yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So God God is a great accommodator. So he'll say, okay, we'll try it. So there, there is this temporary probationary relationship, I believe. And obviously what God wants is it for to, to become a permanent one. So we get into these arguments. Can we lose our salvation? Can we not lose our salvation? Well, in a way, the Bible's teaching both. There's a kind of relationship with God you can lose. There's a kind you can't. But to make it less confusing, yeah. whenever they use the word born again, they're talking about the kind that you cannot Those lose. are the ones that are not going to fall away. They're not going to fall away. And I base that on 1 John 3, 9, where he clearly mm. says any amount of sin that we would have hypothetically done to sever ourselves from God— if we're born again, we're not able to do That's that. Good. Now, when the Calvinists talk about perseverance of the saints, I don't accept it exactly the way they do. They would say, because you don't have free will, because God's sovereign, you're going to persevere. I would say, because we now have less free will, because we gave God permission to adopt us and become our Heavenly Father, we are going to persevere. So I, I guess, technically, I'd have to say I'd, I only accept part even of the that may, perseverance okay. of the saints. That makes okay. sense. Yeah, and— uh, an, an argument that I'd, uh, I've heard a lot of Calvinists say, well, if you fell away, then you never really had salvation. You never had it in the first place. And I didn't even think about that with Judas. Uh, we were just reading about Saul, King Saul, recently about how even he would prophesy. He wasn't a prophet, but because he was in good company, even he prophesied. Yeah, we that saw- was a little bit different because in those days, the Holy Spirit came on prophets, some kings. Right. They, they did they not have, have the, that the permanent relationship with the Holy Spirit like we do. But, yeah, what, what's interesting is you could have two pastors, one who believes you can lose your salvation, one who believes you can't. But if somebody came to the pastor and said, I'm living in sin and not walking with Christ right now, even though I've been calling myself a Christian for years, what I find interesting is both pastors would give the guy the identically same advice, repent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One guy would say, press forward to make your calling an election, sure, which suggests, okay, if you're born again, mm-hmm. But if you're straying from God, and you can, but if you're really his child, you can only stray so much he's going to bring you back. The other one's saying, well, no, you could stray permanently and lose this. However, um, if you return to God and repent, you'll get saved again. Wow. From a practical point of view, they're going to give him the exact same advice. So again, it's not something I think we need to split the church over, but sure. I do believe Christians have come up with different ideas about this because the New Testament provides two different paths. So when the Bible says there's a kind of relationship we can lose, I believe it. Mm-hmm. When the Bible says there's a kind of relationship we can't lose, I believe that oh, too, so good, because God. they're both in the Bible. You know, mm. that that is so true. And I, well, we're going to spend this last segment coming up after the commercial break, pulling all this together. But really, think about this, my friend. The bottom line is God, the Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is interested in an intimate relationship with you, whatever you, however you parse out or divide the, the doctrines that you want to deal with, always you always have to come back to the character of God. I, I, I would say that the character of God uh, supersedes the doctrines of God because like in uh, Ephesians, the apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, uh, and, it, and it deals with uh, not, not that, that we come into the doctrine of Christ, uh, but we come into the presence of, of him, you know, we come into the faith, and the faith is the thing that, that draws us to him, not our different doctrinal beliefs. We're going to spend some time in the last segment tying all this together and giving you some 
uh, our individual o- overview or insights on this for you to take and garner this and weigh and pray it. And what we want this to be is an inspiration for you to not only become more intimate with God, but listen to his voice and move out and do the things that he's called you to do. The world needs you. We're going to talk more about these things when Bob Siegel, Alex Bush, and I come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Cass Taylor. Well, hello, my friends. How are you doing, my friends? Welcome back to the last segment. Can you believe that? Bob Siegel, I know time goes by quickly on very your show fast as well. it goes fast my show's only an hour this one seems to go by just as fast even yes. though it's two hours because we're having fun we're having fun and alex Absolutely, we are yes. having fun aren't we yes kaz we are having, <laughs> having fun. fun thank this you is, this, i this do is not us. know when i've had a better time <laughs> <laughs> well my friends i'm gonna hand the the baton so to speak to alex bush because he's the uh, inspiration behind doing this topic and i'm gonna let you bring the show to a close and I'll just come in at the end. You and Bob uh, close this. We want to give encouragement to our listening friends uh, because they've been listening faithfully and we get, want to give them a payoff on, on the, them putting up with me and you guys as well. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Bush. I would say summing up my, my school of thought with all this is God's either in control of everything or he's not. I don't believe that he is. And it's one of what else I going to say. Ah, I lost my train of thought. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. Well, we could say he's in control, but that part of that control is that he's allowing us to make Decisions. free will. And what, yes. what, he, his, what he wants his master plan to be will happen, but like the chess player, he's going to plug in and incorporate things that we decide. So one could say that if he is truly in control of everything, then he is responsible for all the evil that's on this planet. They could say that because they're defining control yeah. as eliminating our free will. Yeah, I would define control as nothing can happen unless God allows it. But yes. God allowing it to happen and God willing it to happen are different. And those who say, well, then I, a lot of times people will say to me, well, then why did he create us with free will? I said, that's an irrelevant question because he created you in such a way oh. that you're glad you have free will. And I tell them, I said, don't, especially when I'm talking to a college student, I said, don't, don't tell me you wish you didn't have free will. You just got out of high school. You were counting the days oh, before yes. you could get out yes. and not have a curfew. How many revolutions and wars have been fought in the name of freedom? We're very glad we have free will. We don't want to be puppets on a string. We may have a president that's a puppet on a string right now, but we don't want to be puppets on a string. We don't want to be robots that are programmed. But again, free will, the ability to do right, includes the ability to do wrong, or it's not a real ability. Free will is part of what falls under the sovereignty of yeah. God. And I actually remember the other thing I was going to say. He, so he is, he's either control of everything or he's not. I don't think he is, but I do believe that's by design with him allowing bad things to happen. Sometimes that's, that's our own doing. Yeah. And then he either wants everybody to be saved or he doesn't. So we were talking earlier about the Lord isn't willing that any should perish. Well, some would argue, well, that's talking about the elect. So he wants some people to perish? No. I, I think we could take comfort in knowing that he... The Lord truly does not want anybody. Well, and even in that passage, that's in Second Peter. The Lord is forbearing, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. repentance. So what he's doing about wanting everybody to be saved is he's giving them time to repent. But repent, by definition, means a choice that the people are still making. So he's giving them more of an opportunity 
to make that choice because he's hoping that they'll make the right choice. And then having the fruit of the spirit, self-control, if you don't have free will, you can't have self-control. Yeah, no, that's a very that's an excellent point. Self-control over what? I thought we had no free will. Exactly. <laughs> very good. Very good point. So how do you want to wind this thing up and, and what message do you want to leave, uh, Alex? Mm. Test everything and hold to what's good. That's one of, let's see, three times in the scripture where the Lord's actually saying, well, two times where the Lord specifically said, test me in this. Uh, what was it in Malachi or Malachi, if you're Italian or whatever? He's saying it with tithes and offerings, bring it out of the storehouse and see if I don't open the floodgates. I can't remember what passage it was. I want to say it was in Kings. I don't remember what king it was. My memories escape me now. Where the Lord's telling me, ask me for a sign. Uh, no, that's. Uh, I'm not going to ask you for a sign, though. I'm going to give you a sign anyway. But then we learn in the New Testament, test everything and hold to what's good. Test the scriptures. Not not putting God to the test. Don't throw yourself out on the freeway and, well, Lord, you didn't. Well, you're not supposed to go out on the freeway. But test everything in the scriptures and hold to what's good. Absolutely. My closing thoughts? Well, again, I, I'm not encouraging, as you can see, uh, although I have some issues, I, I don't agree with the Arminians when they say we can lose their salvation. I, I disagree more with the Calvinist. But I hope you've seen that every one of the points of the theologies on both sides are based on things that really are in the Bible, that human beings tend to be extremes. We see the same thing going on today with the whole charismatic movement versus the dispensational movement. Uh, some people say tongues is not a gift anymore. It has ceased. We, and then other people say not only is tongues a gift, but if you don't have that gift, you're not even filled with the Holy Spirit. We go to Corinthians. Paul says, do not forbid speaking of tongues. Mm-hmm. He also says, on the other hand, don't make that big of a deal out of it. The Corinthians were the most carnal church in mm-hmm. the Bible, but they, they had the gifts of the Spirit because There's a difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, as Alex alluded to a moment ago. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Gifts are a means to getting there. So again, it's not just Calvinism and Arminianism. We can do it with the charismata or the people against the charismata. The Bible's usually right down in the middle. Yes, and by the way, I speak in tongues for those of you out there saying, well, Bob must not understand it if he doesn't <laughs> think he's... And I, I, gotta, I, I speak the gift, but I don't go around telling other people that if they don't use it, they're not filled with the Spirit. I was For a while, I was actually in that camp. For, I mean, I speak in tongues, and I was like, well, if you, <laughs> you don't speak in tongues, then you're not... you're this A, is, a lesser you're, Christian. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, I, I had that school of thought for a while that I since have had to... It's a gift, no more, that. no less. I speak in tongues. I meet people that don't, and they say, well, gosh, I wish I had that. I said, look, pray about it. It's a cool gift, but if you don't have it, it's not a barometer of your spirituality. Paul is so clear on that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but it's just a gift. So what goes on today? Churches either forbid it or they say that it's oh more than a gift. Again, my point, we're not getting into that subject no. right now. My point is when you see extreme theologies, usually the Bible's right there in the middle. So, yes, we are depraved, but not totally depraved. No, we can't accept Christ without the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean that we can't push the Holy Spirit away. Every one of those points has an element of biblical truth that usually gets exaggerated and taken yes. out of context by both camps. When I was telling, I, I put a post on Facebook earlier this week. I'm going to be I'm be on a radio program, um, come together San Diego, 
Kaz Taylor, Bob Siegel. We're going to be talking about Arminianism and Calvinism. And my cousin is like, you're going to be talking about what? And it, it's, it's church, it's church and ease, which I think we need to really get away from yeah. church and ease speaking church and ease because it just, what, what is this? Yeah. Most people just, don't care what those, just we, keep, we, does God predestine us to be saved or not predestine us to be saved? And those names, Calvin and Arminian, they're, they're just named after the two theologians yes. that made both camps more so popular. So what's, the, what's just, the final encouragement to our listening friends? Where do they take this? And then I have to close the show, Alex. Well, why don't we just chuck church and ease? And if you are not born again, get born again. It's a great ride. No better friend, no worse enemy than than the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, my. No better friend, no worse enemy. No worse enemy. My goodness. Bob, any quick thoughts? We've got about Yeah, again, uh, God loves you. And even if there are passages in the Bible that you don't understand, the passages you need to understand are the love and mercy of Christ. No matter what you've done, there is no sin that could take you beyond God's grace other than the sin of rejecting his grace. Some people say, well, boy, I've, I've done something so heinous. There's nothing way God will forgive me. Not only will he forgive you, my friend, but if you had been the only person alive, he would have come down and died on the cross just yes. for you. He was thinking about you and your sin while he was on that cross. There is nothing that he will not forgive. And it's not too, if you have a pulse, it's not too late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not too late to get it right. My listening friend, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. You know, we spend so much time camping around our doctrine that we kind of oftentimes exclude other people that don't camp around our doctrine. That was, you know, that was tolerated by God in the church age, but we are coming into the time where God is preparing us to prepare for his coming kingdom and ruling and reigning with him. And so we need to get it right. And these predeterminations about you're good, you're bad, you carry a doctrine that I love, you carry a doctrine that's remiss. We need to have God's heart and say, look into your heart and say, God loves you. What are you going to do about it? And what are you going to let him help you do about it? My listening friend, it's been a joy dealing with these topics and stirring you to higher level of intimacy with the creator of the universe and the Son and Holy Spirit, that's called the triune God, and they desire to spend eternity with you and desire for you to desire to spend eternity with them. Maybe I guess that's it. And thank you, Alex. Thank you, thank Bob. You, it's always friend. a blast, Thanks, Kaz. Thanks. My listening friend, thank you for joining us on Come Together San Diego. More of this kind of stuff in the next shows as well. Stay with us. Love you until that time. God bless. Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise.